Hey, this is Last Coffee House, and this is Movie Monday on Tuesday. We are talking about Parasite and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know we discussed at least Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when I saw it, when it came out, but now we are post-Oscar. Oscar has decided Parasite is the best picture of 2019. From what I've seen in media reports, it has been heralded as a wise and just decision. The Oscars, nobody watches that stuff anymore. <laughs> I tried to watch, I, I think I just watched highlights actually. I want to support, I want to support good movies. It was actually the best lineup in recent history. When it came to the best picture nominees, there were actually several very good movies that came out last year, so that was nice. But it definitely was Parasite that got the big win and seems to have the general support. And that's one thing about the Oscars, historically, they tend to pick safe movies that aren't particularly interesting. And Parasite is certainly head and shoulders above those. You know, the Green Books... <laughs> the crashes, the <laughs> spotlights. I mean, those movies that you watched once, thought it was okay, and will never think about or talk about again. This is at least more than that. It's certainly more than that, Parasite is. And Bong Joon-ho, you know, he's got a couple of quality entrants under his belt. He did Snowpiercer. He did, what was it, Mother. He's got a little bit more going on. But one of the things about Parasite is that it just seems as superficial as a movie can be while still establishing some kind of thematics and i do love so if you haven't seen parasite i'll give you just a general primer and i am going to get into some spoilers uh, it'll be minimal spoilers but i'm gonna get into some spoilers and it's about a family so there's this poor family and one of the themes you'll see is that they they have this like underground apartment disgusting apartment place where they live and they have to walk downstairs to get to where they live and there's this rich family who has to walk upstairs they're constantly walking upstairs to get to their place of residence so there's this neat visual thematic where the poor people go down and the rich people go up and there are some interesting ideas throughout you know sprinkled throughout but the family itself the poor family insinuates itself into this rich family by lying by fraud to get employed as you know like the housekeeper and the tutor and the other tutor there are two tutors right <laughs> and the driver so they could all get employment with this family but the fam the rich family doesn't know that they're related and then they abuse their roles they like undermine the previous people who worked in these roles to try to get in there and so then you have this play out you know uh, from a basic standpoint it'd be kind of a morality tale that you know you shouldn't do <laughs> shady things to get ahead in life but one thing about Bong Joon-ho in this movie he doesn't have at least to my understanding of how the movie went he doesn't have this kind of very clear moralistic perspective when it comes to whether the movie is saying that the poor people are the parasites or the rich people are the parasites he doesn't really have this clear perspective morally that says one is wrong and one is right both parties do shady things some parties do extremely immoral things <laughs> and the movie doesn't push you to accept one narrative versus another so th there is more complexity in that but in when you really look at it there isn't all that much to it because <laughs> it's really just the okay well there are poor people and there are rich people and there's this interaction that you get between these two classes so there's some kind of class idea but it pretty much just plays that out consistently throughout the whole movie and doesn't have much of an interest in a whole lot else relative to the characters now obviously if you heard my midsummer review <laughs> 
<laughs> so you know that there are distinctions when it comes to having characters that fit within a thematic environment. You have to be careful about how those characters are going to act because if they're too internally complex or have too much you know, emotional intrigue or psychological intrigue, then it takes away from the thematics that you're trying to establish, like in something like Midsummer, which is a fairy tale. And it's specifically trying to tell a story that is thematic in origin as opposed to emotional, character-driven, plot-driven, that kind of thing. So in this, it, it's playing that role as well, uh, which means that a lot of the characters, they don't seem much distinguished from one another. They're mostly representative of their thematic meaning. So the poor people, the whole family, the brother, sister, mother, father, they don't have that much of a distinct distinct personalities between them. The only one who kind of stands out is the daughter. You know, she's funny and, and a little shady, a little extra shady relative to the other ones sometimes. And the son's a little more delicate, I don't know, but they don't, they're not very complex psychological characters, not complex emotionally. There's not a whole lot going on with them specifically. And same for the, the rich people, mostly just represent rich people, and there's not a whole bunch of complexity to their characters either. So the whole, the upshot of this whole discussion is that I really think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a far better film collectively when it's all put together and should have won best picture and i'm i really feel like it was political it often is it it had a lot to do with the politics of what it looks like if you choose once upon a time in hollywood over parasite because parasite is like oh look it's us there's something so just orwellian about the whole situation to have a, a ridiculous amount of unbelievably wealthy people go on stage and get on camera and talk about the plight of the poor people and pick a movie that's a ostensibly, if you don't pay too close attention to it, it's ostensibly about the plight of poor people and, you know, paying better attention to them and not thinking that they stink. So it, there's something really Orwellian about uh, this elitist class just sitting on TV in their $3,000 gowns and the like, and just talking about, oh, well, we thought this this wonderful little movie that talks about all these poor people who drive my car. It, I, there's something really weird about that whole thing. But anyway, so it's, like I said, once upon a time in Hollywood, thematically, emotionally, character-wise, all of those things are much more complex than anything that's going on in Parasite. And that's, that's, we're in the stratosphere now when it comes to film quality, because we're way above any of the other kind of generic film that you're going to walk into or that you see on any given day. When it comes to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has these complex ideas that are played out in such an incredible way about, you know, the death of innocence, about masculinity, about pedophilia in Hollywood about what the film art used to mean versus what it means now and the death of art and the long-term decay of, of art and there are a lot more things that are actually going on in this you have with Cliff Booth and Leo DiCaprio's character which Rick Dalton yeah so Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton you've got in these characters this beautiful reflection in each other so Cliff Booth is the real masculine strong guy he's the real one he's the one who actually does the stunts he's the one who you know, gets into the fights and gets to save people and and be the one who's injured, who's self-sacrificial, all those things. He does, because he's the real masculine man, whereas Leo DiCaprio is the one who's pretending to be on screen. And he's the one who's incredibly emotional all the time. He's so worried about his image, so worried about how he's being perceived and how his career is going and all this stuff, where Cliff Booth is stoic. So you have at the center of the movie, you have this beautiful reflection where there's a, a complementary thing, where you have 
have the person who's acting like he's the masculine one, but actually weak when he's off screen, and the person who's actually strong, who's the one who's driving him around and doesn't get all the accolades or anything like that. And so it's already thematically, and these are real actual characters. These are real complex characters who have different emotional valences and different interests and, and have uh, disparate experiences that show their character, and they still represent the thematics of the story. So there's so much more going on when it comes to that movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then you're adding to it the broader macro storytelling of the whole idea of Manson and the death of innocence and Sharon Tate, the pregnant Sharon Tate, being representative of all the wonder and magic that that and the innocent perspective that film was. You know, that it was just it was just fun and enjoyment and, and being transported and the this being contrasted with the the little girl who's <laughs> she's supposed to be you know, you see little kids, they're just supposed to be starry-eyed, and I'm, I love this thing, but she's rigid and stuck on this idea of, okay, how do you be the best? What's the best thing? What are the mechanics of the storytelling? How do I do this better? You need to be better. You need to do this or that. <laughs> so you've got all these these beautiful couplings throughout throughout the movie structured around these all these ideas, and when Cliff initially goes to the Manson Ranch or whatever, and there's all this threat, and there's so much, uh, you know, when I first saw that scene it was so tense so there, there's all this threat around him that you don't realize that again it has this this coupling of ideas because you feel all this threat here when he wasn't really threatened you know he got <laughs> he easily dispatched with whatever threat there was uh and even that was a really limited threat and he found his former friend or the guy that he knew and that guy was like oh no it's fine what are you talking about so when cliff is in a place that is overrun and foreign you know it has a bunch of people he doesn't know he feels like he should be threatened and we feel like he should be threatened but he's actually not and then when he he's at home when he's supposed to be alone in the send-off with rick dalton and you're supposed to be you know in your hearth uh, where you're supposed to be the most secure that's the place where he actually gets attacked so there are uh, a bunch bunch of ways that these things are weighted and that's not even to talk about all the amazing music i've listened to the soundtrack so many times i love it <laughs> and just how it all works together and uh, like i said so i can see the politics of being concerned about supporting or advocating a movie that is really about centrally about masculinity and about celebrating masculinity and the loss of the masculinity i can understand that it doesn't feel like it's the kind of progress that we should be making you know when we're celebrating masculinity or whatever i think it's going to be a necessary <laughs> next step when it comes to society, but that has nothing to do with it. I mean, just like when I talked about how hard Virginia Woolf was on men in To the Lighthouse, just because she trashes men in her thematics and her ideas and, and the like, it has nothing to do with whether it's a good piece of art or not. <laughs> It's, it's, is it complex? Is it put together well? What, how, what's her writing like? What are the ideas that she's getting across? What's the structure? All that sort of stuff is what makes it a great work of art versus not. And same thing here, whether you agree with the celebration of masculinity, you know, classic masculinity in the old Hollywood movies and cowboy films. That's what, I mean, Tarantino is one of the few filmmakers who has clearly derived thematic wisdom throughout everything that he's done through his entire career. And it's amazing that it culminates in this. There's no way he should have lost for this against anything that I've seen in the re in recent history. He puts it all together so very well and in such a complex and enjoyable package. It's it's incredible. But again, if you have at the end of your movie a strung out <laughs> Brad Pitt beating the hell out of a 
young woman. Uh, that just doesn't jive at all with what are supposed to be the progressive ideals nowadays. So, but when it comes to filmmaking, when it comes to film and how films are structured and what are things that make films good versus not good and replayability and what's going to enter the, the canon of the greatest films of all time, there's just no way that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood should have lost to Parasite. Again, we're in the stratosphere. We're way beyond most of the schlock that you see or most of the movies that generally win this category anyway. So I'm not too mad on that front. But still, Parasite, very limited thematics and ideas and characters and structures. Very limited relative to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is everything that a work of art should be. And manages something that's really incredible in the medium. And most filmmakers wouldn't even have a dream of an ability to do, you know, in the span of a, a single movie. So, I don't know. I think it's one that's going to frustrate me for a long time. <laughs> uh, I'm going to rewatch Parasite at some point so I can really narrow it down, get the thematics down, get the ideas down, and see if there's anything more going on there. But And there were a lot of excellent ideas. I, I loved all the actors. I think all the actors did a very good job. They just didn't have much character when it came to... And it could be cultural, because it could be just a matter of the individualism of Western culture looks for more dynamic individuals and the interplay of dynamic individuals, whereas an Eastern culture might look more to the collective. I know Bong Joon-ho, he did The Host. That was his first big one, wasn't it? And one of the things that he does is he'll always have this collective. It's like a family that's doing things, as opposed to a bunch of individuals, atoms that are bumping into each other and figuring stuff out. So it could be cultural, but still, I think there's much more complexity when it comes to the thematics, when it comes to the characters, the structures, the ideas, the philosophies, the homage to classic Hollywood, the lamentations for the death of classic Hollywood, <laughs> the ideas about masculinity and the sins of Hollywood long term. I think all of those things are so well baked into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that, like I said, I just think it definitely deserved Best Picture way more than Parasite did. Anyway, uh, definitely see Bong Joon-ho getting some recognition and uh, definitely just Korean cinema in general. They've done some incredible work, so I'm looking forward to more of his stuff. I hope he doesn't sit on his laurels or anything like that. It's really sad to think that Quentin Tarantino won't be making movies anymore. I don't have much interest in that, but that was The Last Coffee House. I hope all is well, and I'll see you on the next one. All right, bye. <laughs>